the Red Sea journey. I said in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 14, it says, It's not this the word that we did tell the Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Jason, do me a favor. I want you to turn off every cordless mic, if you would, please. Am I back on? Okay, great. That'll help with the buzzing. Please pray for us. We're praying for a whole new sound system and uh, that we can get rid of this buzz sound and we can continue to have a wonderful sound system. So if you'd like to contribute to that and you feel the Lord laying that on your heart, uh, I would appreciate it because uh, the sound system is a very vital part of our ministry considering we do not have a 16-piece band up here. That is our source of worship. And, uh, and so it's been eight years, and I praise the Lord for the board that we have. But we're looking at uh, maybe getting a digital board, something that will be able to uh, help so that we don't have some of the buzzing and so forth. A couple things I want you to do. Turn me down just a little bit in the monitors as well as in the mains. If I get loud, I'll blow off people's toupees, and I don't want to see this. And uh, so I praise the Lord. How's that sound? Is that okay? All right. Let go of the past. Here they were, the children of Israel, at a crossroads in their life. Kind of reminds us of us. God is so good to us, and He blesses us every day of our life, and we often fail to realize the blessings that He bestows on us. Children of Israel were, were uh, let go. They were in captivity in Egypt. Pharaoh finally let them go after all of the plagues, and we went over that last week. Now they're at a crossroads in their life. They're looking at this body of water. They turn around. They see this big cloud, and the Egyptians are coming after them to take their life. And here's what they say to Moses. This will be in my terms, okay? Here's what they said to Moses. It would have been better for us just to die. How, why, why don't we just, like, I'd rather go back and be a slave. At least they fed us and took care of us that way. Come on, how are we going to get through this water? And Moses said, hold on. Listen, don't be afraid. Stand still. Listen, what has happened to your faith? Why is your faith wavering? We are a community of believers that don't believe. We are a community of believers, a church that doesn't believe that God is still alive and has the power to change anything and everything. We need to be a church that has hope in Him. Listen, Christians, I'm starting off today to encourage you and to let you know the importance of your faith-filled life. And you say, but pastor, I'm a teenager. I don't get what you're saying. Are you really talking about the children of Israel again? Are you really going to go through this whole history and this, the, the past and what took place? Well, let me tell you this important principle to this morning. If miracles can take place back then and then they took place in the New Testament, they're still taking place today. 
We don't reference Old Testament very much because we say, well, we're the New Testament church. Well, hopefully today I'll be able to show you that the power and the presence of God was as real in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament, and then it's as real for us today. You've come to church today with your faith faltering. Yes, we always have financial problems. Yes, we deal with bad health. And we've lost hope. And you've come because you're faithful. Well, this morning, I don't know what you're going through, the circumstances that you're going through, but I want to to let you know that I'm going to speak hope into your life. And I'm going to let you know that the same God that was as real and present in Moses' life is as real and present in our life today. I want to have a church that's spirit-filled, not just church-filled. I want a church that... People sense the Spirit of God. We can't move people. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can go to work, we can be an encouragement, but we can't move people. Yesterday, I was so blessed to be a part of collecting boxes. One thing that I love to do is people are walking into Chick-fil-A. I love to open and close the door. For some of you, you're always like, Oh, Pastor's such a great you know, servant of our Lord. I know you, not that you ever really thought that, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. Actually, the reason why I say that is this, because it's warmer by the doors than it is out there under that tent. Okay, so I confess. And uh, I go to the doors and then I thaw out. Not really, but it is great to bless people as they're coming and going. Watch, you open up a door for somebody and they say thank you. And you get to look at them and say, you're welcome, God bless you, have a great day. It's great to serve people. It's great to make a difference in someone's life. This couple comes in, they walk back out, and I started talking to them. They asked some questions about our church. And what was great about this couple was here's what they said to me. The man served 30 years in the military, and I believe I saw on uh, Jeff's ring, I thought it said Marine Corps, and I didn't get a chance to ask him where he served, but I thanked him for the years of service. Wonderful couple. Actually, he's now a deacon at uh, the the new uh, satellite church in Stowe for Christ Community Chapel, which is Hudson Community Chapel, Pastor Coffey's church. He proceeded to say to me, "Um, are you ready for this? And I said, I'm ready. He said, we've only been saved two years. And I said, really? He's probably... I want to say in his late 60s, early 70s, and his wife. So we talked for probably about a good 45 minutes. And they shared, and I said, so, so tell me, how did you come to know Christ? They said, our son was actually at a school function. A man walked over, and he sat down next to him, and he did what all of us should do. He leaned over and said, where do you go to church? And he said, my son looked at him and said, nowhere. He said, why don't you come to my church? He said, okay, I'll go. Isn't that amazing? It was an invitation. So the son went to church, which is out across Joanne Fabers, which where Stowe Community, Christ Community Chapel started, which is called The Block. It's where a lot of the youth go for Hudson Community Chapel. And um, so they ended up going. And so (laughs) I'm laughing because some of you have heard this before. Lair in a cult. What? Why is it we're in a call when people come to know Christ? So here's Jeff and Barb. They're, they're both saying, 
what's going on with our son? He's changed. They're like, so son, what are you doing on Sundays? He said, I'm going to church. And mom, dad, you would love it. They're like, really? They're like, okay. And this is what she says to me. We just went because we wanted to find out what they were doing to our son. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? And I thought, wow, what a cool story. So she said, we went in, and then they called it uh, Church Ninjas. So I, I love this. They became Church Ninjas. So she said, the place is full. They walk in, and they're sneaking up behind. You know, they, they saw their son and their family sitting up front. And she said, we sat in back. And before long, the Holy Spirit started changing them. She said, it was that day that my husband and I realized that we were lost and bound for hell. You see, their son caught on to that same spirit that God was speaking to Moses and the children of Israel. Listen, if he says to do something, do it. What about if that man did not go over and sit down and say, I can't do this. Yes, I can. I can't do it. I can't walk over there and ask him, are you going to church somewhere? He's going to think I'm a churchgoer or something, a holy roller. Well, let me explain this to you. It's okay to be a holy roller when it costs somebody's soul between heaven and hell. And so to know they came to Christ, she said, we are so happy. We're on fire for God. And you said, but pastor, where are you going with this? Now I'm going to show share this with you he said but now i've noticed something in the church and i said well what is that he said i've noticed that you know we have all this excitement and we have this fire because we've sensed the presence of god and we've sensed the power of god that we've noticed people that have been saved for a lot of years they just come in they slide in the back pew they slide back out of the pew and they walk out the door he said pastor What can I do to grab a hold of them? I said, there's nothing you can do. But God can do everything in and through you. Show excitement to these people. Bring back that fire. Bring back that zeal. Bring back that excitement. The children of Israel, they're already traveling a few days and they get to this water and this place that's this crossroad and said, I just want to go back to slavery. But let me ask you a question. When they say they saw all the plagues that came through, do you think at that moment they're like, God, please get me out of here? They were praying. They were pleading and asking God, get me out of here. But it only took a few days till they lost that zeal. They lost the fire. They lost that spirit that keeps all of us in that excitement going for Christ. We as a church need to bring back that excitement. We need to bring back that enthusiasm, that charisma that keeps people coming to church. But you say, Pastor, you don't understand what my week's been like. Oh, I get it. Because I'm a sinner saved by grace too. I pay the same bills, suffer the same hardships, have the same temptations... Just as Jesus did when he walked this earth, I do just the same. And we all do, and we all suffer through it. But we've got to come to a place where we realize the importance of his word and the importance of who he is. Listen, 
I can, I can get up here and I can preach messages and they'll just be uh, politically correct and I can stand here and look at my, my notes that I have and make sure that I display my points as they've taught me an introduction, three points, a conclusion, blah, blah, blah. But if the Holy Spirit isn't in it, then we don't have the power of Almighty God in this church. When we open up the Word and we practice who He is and we have a deeper relationship with Him, then we fall deeper in love with Him. Jeff says to me, he said, uh, this is the gentleman who I'm standing with at Chick-fil-A. He said, can I ask you how long it takes you to prepare a message? I said, well, God always starts speaking to me, you know, a week or two before I actually put it down on paper and I start praying about it and then I bring my thoughts together. He said, do you know what my pastor asked me to do? He asked me, and they call it like ICI classes or something, to start teaching. He said, teaching? Where do I start? He goes, let the Holy Spirit lead you. He goes, what do I say? He said, let the Holy Spirit lead you. He said, but how do I write it down? He goes, let the Holy Spirit lead you. I loved that counsel from the pastor. And he said, I have fallen in love with God. You can't fall in love with God if this has six inches of dust on it. You can't fall in love with God if you're not opening up His Word, if you're not taking your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your whatever you have, your Kindles, and, and turning to the U version of the Bible and not reading it. It's important that we as a church come together and are filled with the power of Almighty God. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today realizing that you need to help us to overcome what is in front of us and help us, Lord, not to always look to the past, but remember just your grace and your love and your compassion and mercy upon us. Lord, help us to be a church that's filled with your Spirit and not just a church that's filled to capacity. Lord, I know you're doing a great work. And Father, I'm humbled yet proud to be a part of a church where I sense your presence. Lord, thank you for your movement upon this congregation and upon this church. Hide me behind the cross. May your word go forth, may not come back void, but may it prosper, as your word says in Isaiah. And Lord, help me to deliver this message with clarity. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to jump right into point two. Point one last week was let go of the past. Two point was look to your faith. And I talked a little bit about getting rid of your fear, looking at faith. I love what Romans 12, 2 says. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. I love that verse. Even though it's in the New Testament, it reminds me of the children of Israel. They were so conformed to the way of the Egyptians that they wanted to go back there. They needed to be transformed. Listen, church, we have said we did it this way. Why do we have to do it this way? I hate change. Change is good. It really is good. It helps us. It, it allows us to be open and receptive to the will of God and what He wants for our life. So I say this to you. When we look in verse 13 and 14 says this, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. 
the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. And at that point, Moses lifted up his rod and stretched out thine hand over the sea and divided it. And it says, And the children of Israel shall go on the dry ground through the midst of the sea. But I want you to notice where it says there, Fear ye not. Don't allow the enemy to keep you in confinement. Last week I told you, really, for fear is not of the Lord. In fact, fear is opposite of faith. And I broke it down for you, F-E-A-R. It means it's nothing more than false evidence appearing real. It is a trick that the enemy will use to keep you entangled and entrapped in his snare. It's a mind thing. He's always trying to tell us that, listen, you know, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to have these emotions. But you don't need to have this fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many of you want power of God? Raise your hand. We all do. We would all say we want the power of God. But we come to church and, and we say, but my power is limited. I've never experienced that power before. I've never experienced the, the spirit of God well, today could be the beginning of your life, and I could show you how he could do that. No matter how the devil tries to plant the device of fear in your spirit, just stand boldly on God's promises. Stand boldly on God's word and look to your faith. Here's the problem. Israel did not believe that God would bring them out. In spite of all that he had done for them, in spite of all the plagues that he cast upon the Egyptians, they didn't believe that God would see them through. In spite of all God's done for us, in spite of the dangers He's seen us through, we've got to learn how to look to our faith. Because when you're able to look at your faith, you're able to stand still. Because when you look to your faith, you're able to stand still. All of us are going to experience a time when we have, been, have to be rescued. Moses looked at the people with fear written all over their faces and realized this fear thing had to be dealt with first. Therefore, here's what he said, and we see it there. Fear ye not. He said, fear not. You have a choice as to whether you allow fear to dominate you or not. I love what John 14 says, what? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house and many mansions. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't fear the people of God had to come to a place where they had to make a choice. Give up and go back to Egypt to slavery or trust and obey God. You see, church, we have the same choice today. We can either give up or we can give it to God. You hear me? We can either give up or we can give it back to God. They're standing at the Red Sea. They're questioning, what are we going to do? It'd be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to go through this. And he said, stop! You're all like a bunch of chickens with your heads cut off, running around here screaming, yelling, thinking they're going to come and take your life. Didn't God already speak to us? Didn't God already speak to us? He said, fear not. Aren't you glad you always have somebody that's there to lead you? Especially in the Word to guide you. The Holy Spirit's there. He wants to guide you and lead you. And here's what he said. Stand still. Watch. 
Something grace, great is going to take place. So what did they do? They continued to stand still. Psalms 46.10 says what? Be still and know that I am God. We have to be able to stand by faith before we can walk by faith. Isaiah 40.31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I mean, as, as I always go through the, the deep Red Sea journey, I always think of this. Can you imagine the confidence of Moses the prophet? He says, really, he said, fear not, but I'm going to put it in our terms today. Would you just shut up and quit being a crybaby already? Man, haven't you already seen the hand of God? You guys are losing your mind. Listen, instead of being such a fanatic and a crazy person, stand still and watch the power of Almighty God. And he raised his rod. And the waters divided. And then here's how it went. He said, come on, follow me. And then all together they started singing, Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. But they get through the Red Sea and they lose sight. They lose sight of what's going on. It says that the cloud that was before them now moved behind them to protect them so that the Egyptians could not see them. Isn't God good? He is good all the time. He knows if we'll just follow, He'll open up doors of opportunity for you that you never thought were possible. Because He loves you that much. He loved the children of Israel. And then we were reminded where it said, but they that wait upon the Lord, those that stand still, will then be renewed. They'll gain their strength. They'll move forward. With waiting comes renewed faith. With waiting comes renewed strength. With waiting comes renewed zeal. When we look to our faith and depend on the Lord, if we just trust in Him and look to our faith, He'll strengthen our hearts, He'll strengthen our mind, He'll strengthen our emotions. We'll simply stand still and trust in His Word. We'll simply stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What does it say there? We have fear not, stand still and see the... What's it say? The salvation of the Lord. We'll see the deliverance of God Almighty. How many of you in this room have faced hardship? You've got to that crossroads in your life and you said, I know I've served you, I know I've been there, but God, how am I going to get through this time right now? And he says, fear not, my child. Be still and know that I am God. Because I'm bringing you salvation today. We fret. We worry. We stress out. We lose our hair. All kinds of things happen to us physically. Because we don't trust in God. We don't allow Him to be the salvation that we need. 
If we're able to stand still and let God do what he does best, stand still and watch God move on your, on your behalf, stand still and look to your faith, he's telling us in Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And now here's the latter part. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Remember, God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Have faith that God will also deliver you. It is for a purpose. We don't understand why we are at this Red Sea, but God sees what's on the other side. Here's what's going on. I've brought you out of times in the past. I've led you by clouds in the day and fire by night. I gave you food when you were hungry and drink when you were thirsty. But you're still not looking to your faith. We've wavered, church. We have no faith. If we as a church did this instead of walking out of the building and saying, God, we have a mortgage, pay it off. God, you see on this prayer list, you're the salvation. You said, don't fear. I'm not going to fear it. I'm going to speak it and I'm going to believe it. But, preacher, I've never done that. I was never taught that. Well, he just spoke to the children of Israel, his chosen people, and here's what he says. Fear not, stand still, and you'll be saved. But we take matters in our own hands, and then we lose sight of God's plan for our life. I want you to surrender to his will, to his plan, and to his way. You can't do that and you can't practice faith unless you let go and let God. And, and third point here is launch forward and it's the last point. It says in verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, and they go forward. It said this, They moved forward after he spoke. We've got to learn how to go forward in the things of God. If you really want to go forward, you've got to learn how to move at His command. Learn how to go forward in His, what? In His presence, then His power and His promise. And I'm going to, I'm going to read something to you today because we have two stories, David and Goliath and the three Hebrew boys. Say with me, who knows who the three Hebrew boys were? All together now. Into the fiery furnace they were kept for. They were therefore cast. Nebuchadnezzar thought they'd never last. But God was there. He'd never let them go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, isn't that an old song? I'm only 23. Don't let it kid you. Goes way back. Look in your Bible, if you would, please, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, that is correct. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 45, 46, and 47. Yahweh's there. David's getting ready to, to slay Goliath. Well, we'll start, start at 44. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He spoke it. He believed it. He had faith. David said to Goliath, listen, I'm going out to get you. I'm going to take you down. You know why? Because God spoke to me. He didn't go in his own power. He did what? He went in God's power and he sensed his presence. So David went because the presence of Almighty God was there and slew the Philistine giant. And all God's people said, because his presence was there. Can you kick on the air? Before I just die of heat exhaustion up here. And everybody saying amen. Glory. See, normally most of you are fanning. I only see Diana fanning herself. But, ooh, it, but praise the Lord, it's hot. It's not 20 degrees out. I love that we can kick on the AC. And uh, so then we have three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now I want you to turn your Bibles to Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. And I'll tie everything in together. Daniel chapter 3. We look at verse 15. And actually, he's saying to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you hear the sound of all these instruments, you will bow down to my idol. And if you do not bow down, you are going to be cast into a fiery furnace. And these three young men, in the midst of that big crowd, just stood there. Let me ask you a question. Are you guys going to take a stand when things get rough in America? If you can't take a stand at work, and listen, youth, if you can't take a stand at school for Christ, and you can't take a stand with your family, you'll never take a stand. I know that if we're faithful in the little things, God will bless us with much. Do you all really think that David just all of a sudden said, I have this brilliant idea. I think I'm going to go slay a giant. I'm going to take him down with five little stones. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just a little shepherd boy. No, God spoke to him because he spent time with God in the quiet place. He knew that as he was attending his flock, that he spent time with them. I want the desire for our church for you to spend time with God. Many of you said, Pastor, where to start? I said, start wherever the Holy Spirit leads you. Get into God's Word. When you start getting into God's Word, you'll start to see His truths, and you'll become on fire for, not, for Him. You won't be in the fire because of Him. So now we're at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young guys. The music starts to play. The, the harp and the... I don't even know what some of these instruments are. A sackbut. And uh, a psaltery. And I know what a dulcimer is. That's beautiful. And that uh, all kinds of music had said. And all of a sudden, everybody else bows down and you see three young lads standing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says there 
that as they were standing, in verse 16 it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, circle it, whom we serve, circle that, I love this, is able to deliver us. Ready? He's able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind these young men and to cast them into the burning fire furnace. Then these young men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. Here's what's amazing. They all get cast in and he tells his soldiers to go do it. Listen what happened to them. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, watches, watches, watch this part here. It says he was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast these three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, Oh, to the king, Yes, we did, king. That's true. He answered and said, But look what I see in there. There's not three. There's four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the sun." Isn't that amazing? They experienced His presence. They experienced the Son of God. And they were singing in that fiery furnace, zippity-doo-dah. My, oh my, what a wonderful day. Because they believed it. They believed before they even went in, that God was going to deliver them. Let me ask you a question. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what do you have to lose if you believe in Him and you walk into a fire furnace and die? You'll spend eternity with Him, amen? That's the hope that we have. That's what serving God is all about. So we notice His presence, then His power. Look, look with me in Luke chapter 24, verses 49. Now we're going to go over to the New Testament. Luke chapter 24, Verses 49. As we turn there, we'll notice that there's the power of Almighty God. And then I'll back us clear back up to the children of Israel. And I'll tie it all in together. But we even notice in the New Testament church that we have the power of Almighty God. Here's Jesus. He's already been raised from the dead for 40 days. He's been teaching them concerning the kingdom of heaven. It says in John 20, verse 22, listen... Receive ye the Holy Ghost, and they did receive the Holy Spirit in their bodies. That's what he's telling his disciples. Jesus spent time with them. So they already saw the power of Almighty God. And then he says to them, before his ascension, in verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. 
But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with what? Power from on high. He said to his disciples, do not start any revivals yet. Do not begin to preach yet. Do not try to win souls yet. You're not ready. Here's what God is really saying to New Hope. And I believe this is a word from the Lord because I have seen it and I practiced it this week and I'm going to tell you guys something that God is doing in your church if you'll just believe. Here's what's taking place. Revival can't take place if you're not ready. If you don't know Jesus Christ, get to know Him. Put aside your pride. Do you understand that people want what you have? And I'm not talking material riches. They want the joy of the Lord. They want to know that you're singing zippity-doo-dah. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. They want to know that you are endued. Now, let me explain what the word endued means. Endued means to have glory, to have something put on, honored. Now, there was Elisha and Elijah. Elijah asked Elijah, what do you want from me before I ascend into heaven? And Elisha said, can I just have a little bit, just a double portion of blessing? And here's what happened. Elijah told Elisha, you just hang out with me for a little while. And the scripture says this. Now, it says a mantle or a cloak back then that they wore was kind of like a robe. It had no cut off, you know, you cut off the sleeves like most of us men do to show off our guns. Like me, you know, I, I, you know, I do that all the time. And, uh, but anyhow, they had him cut off and it was like a cloak or a mantle that was on top of it. Okay? And so even Elijah, bless her little heart, and uh, even Elijah took that when he was here, he took it off of him and even smote the waters. And Elisha said to him, can I just have a little bit of God's power, his presence, his authority in my life? I want to be a prophet just like you, Elijah. And it said that when Elijah was transfigured into heaven, that his cloak and his mantle fell. Now watch. It fell and the scriptures say that he received a double portion of anointing upon Elisha. Isn't that awesome? Do you understand that God wants to do the same thing for us as a church? That God wants to do the same thing and He wants to pour out a double portion of His blessing upon us if we will just let Him. So we see in the Scriptures, that was in 2 Kings, and for sake of time I won't go there in chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that they were endued from power from on high. And then last, it says His promises, Matthew twenty-eight twenty says this, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And in Romans chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans chapter 8, I will read that to you quickly. For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For many that are led of the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
Verse 16 says, The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit, and we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. That word glorified means the promise of glorification, which means to honor, to give high praise, to exalt. Listen, church. You are children of the Most High God and you too have heir to the same power and the blessings from Almighty God. You just have to accept it and believe it. So we see in the Scriptures, we let go of the past, you have to look to your faith and launch forward. Moses told the children of Israel, listen, we're moving. And off they went. Because... He believed in the power of God. I'll say this. Just launch forward. No matter what comes your way, the crossing of your Red Sea is for a purpose. On the other side, your faith may be stronger. Your song may be louder. Your prayer time more frequent. You're closer to the Lord. And remember this. The difference between success and failure is 18 inches. And that means are you on your knees praying to Almighty God? We say it's impossible. God says all things are possible. We say I'm too tired. God says I'll give you rest. We say nobody really loves me. God says I love you. We say nobody really cares for me. God says I care for you. We say I cannot go on. God says but you see my grace is all sufficient for you. We say I cannot figure things out. God says I shall direct thy paths. We say, I cannot do it. God says, you can do all things. We say, I am unable. And God says, but listen, I am able. We say, I'm not worth it. God says, oh, it will be worth it all. We say, I cannot forgive myself. God says, but I forgive you. And we say, I cannot afford to. God says, I will supply all of your needs. As I conclude... You can let the music start, if you would, Pastor Chris and Jason. There are different ways that people have of dealing with problems life throws at them. Some are constant complainers. They do not handle setbacks and upsets very well. Some of them cannot even handle normal events. Others are defeated at the slightest difficulty. Quite a few get confused, turn around, and seem not to know what to do. Then there are a few of us that are unconquerable. Look at the great heroes of the Bible. David and Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were men and women who could match the occasion. Moses was that kind of man. Surely Joseph, who rose from the bottom of a pit to be the leader of Egypt, was that kind of man. Could David have been anything other than the kind of man who rose above his faults and his own problems? Esther was surely the kind of woman who did not let problems paralyze her. On and on we could go, but... You see my point. How was all of this done? What I want you to see in this closing is that coming to the Red Sea is just as much a part of God's plan as crossing it. A predicament in God's hands is only a highway to the promised land. We grow deeper in love. Why does God allow these predicaments to happen in our lives? Oftentimes it takes these tight places to get us to look up to Him for our help. We cannot cross the Red Sea in our own strength. 
God will part the waters for us. It says He'll never leave us. Listen, for some of you, you already figured it out. The pastor changed the boxes. I just wanted to see if you all would notice. Luke helped me. Donnie and Renee, we were laughing because we had a couple boxes, if you'll notice, were not of the right. And they were like scattered. I said, I can't handle it. I'm ticking. They all left. And I said, Luke, we're changing those boxes. That's not important. The power of God is. I've gone through a journey and a place in my life that when I have to cry out to God, it becomes a very surreal moment in my life. It was very difficult for me not to move down on Talmadge Avenue. I said, God, why did you do this? You told me, I believe by faith, I spent my time, called that real estate agent, and then they ended up selling it and time went by. I will go to my grave wondering what what was that all about. But I know God has a greater plan for our church. And I know that He's starting to show His hand upon this ministry. And I want everybody to listen closely because I want you to hear what I'm going to say now. Putting aside everything else this morning, I hope you learned some great truths from the children of Israel, from Moses leading, being a great prophet of God. But now we bring it back to our terms. In our journey as a church, in our journey as individuals, as Christians, are you crying out to God? Are you allowing Him to be the healer of your broken spirit, of your broken heart? My wife and I, as you know, we're always, we live, eat, and sleep this place. It's my passion. It's what God has instilled within my heart and given me a vision for the North Hill area. And we both are always, we sit, we drink and sip on our cups of coffee in the morning and we go to bed talking about New Hope Christian Fellowship. We pray for your families. We prayed this morning for the families of New Hope. Because you're my responsibility. I have to give account to God for your life. But more than anything, it was last week that that I knew that I needed to speak and to preach on Moses and this journey through the Red Sea. God is doing a great work in our church. And I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to say it out loud. Do you feel and sense the presence of God here? then you need to yield to it. You need to surrender to it. Don't get so caught up that you forget where God's at. See, we're not stopping in this sanctuary. We're going to build over here. We're going to build over here. One man said to me, what are we going to do with the parking? I said, I don't know what we're going to do with the parking. Eh, We don't need parking. God will provide the parking. Matter of fact, maybe someday we'll take this building clear over to that corner and we'll buy these houses. God's great and I believe it. So we're staying here. God spoke to me when I took that sabbatical for two days, bloom where you're planted. Listen, church, if we're supposed to be here, are you blooming? Listen, we're all part of the body. Remember, pleases God when we all work together. My wife and I were pulling out of here a few weeks ago and said for sell or lease down here at this Kitech building. And so we called them up on the phone and we said, yes, I'd like to know how much this building is worth and, and what are you selling it for? And they said, um, well, we had it on the market for 300000 Well, at that moment, I, you know, I said, well, 300000 in my mind, you're getting 300000 for me. 
And uh, I don't have 300000 I don't even have that much money at all, but God does. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So as we continued, here's what Fred said. And you'll hear I'm calling him by name because I'm going to show you what God has done. He said this to me. Dad, I want you to listen very closely to what I'm saying. We're going, I want to get out of this building. And I would work with you. And he's from Iran. And I said, praise the Lord. I'm, I love hearing words like that. Last guy that told me was the man that when we went to buy this church, Greg and I were here. And he says, whatever we can do, we'll work with you. And so my wheels started turning. And he said, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell this building for $200,000. I still said in my mind, I don't have $200,000. We hung up the phone and I said, I would like to see the building. So my wife and I and George, our treasurer, we went and seen the building. And I thought, I'd better look at this before I present it to our deacons and trustees. It might be falling apart. They might have gushes of water in the middle. I don't know. There's three units down here. You'll notice it's kind of diagonal right here from the church. And so we went in, we walked through it, and God kept telling me 150,000, 150,000, 150,000. Well, we looked at it, and he said, um, what do we do now? I said, well, let me speak with my deacons and trustees, and we'll get back with you. Can we meet next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock? So this past Tuesday night we met, and uh, we were able to walk through it, and with all of them saying yes and having peace in their heart, they said, let's move forward. So I called, called Renee up on the phone, George up on the phone. We sat, we discussed this. Renee's worked with YRC in the real estate department. She said, 200000 that is a steal on that building. She did the comps for other, other ministries in the area. And we, we did a comparison, and Renee gave me some wonderful wisdom. Do not show him these comparisons. I said, I won't show him. So I looked at George. We're at the house the other night getting ready to hit that magic button on that laptop to send over to him after meeting with the deacons and trustees. They said, well, Pastor, you know, we could probably go up to 185000 I mean, it'll be great. The Nepali Fellowship can be in there. We can have a youth department for our youth. And, uh, and we could get rent from the building and it won't cost us a burden. There's two tenants in there right now. I didn't even realize this. There's 36 parking spots. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God just awesome? And uh, so we can erase 36 of these, right? We've got 36 of them down here and up and down the street. I'm not worried about it. Moody Church don't even have one parking spot. If they can pack 6,500 people in there, we can sure pack 200 here. So anyhow, we get, we get off, and I said, George, can we, can we bow our heads and pray? And he said, Let's do it, Pastor. So we're at his dining room table. We bow our head. We pray. And I say it like this. Dear God, you know that we can't even afford this. But we know that you can. So, Lord, we're going to offer $150,000. And we're going to pray that we're found in the favor of Fred and his wife. And that you'll just do something miraculous. Amen. I wrote him a little letter on there. And some of you have heard me talk about living favor-minded and so forth. So we hit click. It was sent to him. By that morning, he said to me, I not sell the building for $150,000. I thought I said at $200,000, you'd come down just a couple thousand. I said, well, 
I know that my God spoke to me. And I told Becky, if this is the number that God laid on my heart, that is what we're going to offer. Can we meet at TGI Fridays? How about some lunch? Got to feed people first. So anyhow, we go and we sit down. And I won't make this long. We're almost done. But I wanted to share this praise blessing with you and, and present it to the church. But after speaking to our deacons and trustees, we moved forward. I went, I spoke with George. I said, George, would you like to come? He said, no, Pastor, I think you have it handled. So my wife and I went. When we met Fred, Fred looks identical to my father's, or my, my wife's granddad, my father-in-law's father. And it was so bizarre because, I mean, they're identical. Oh, that one talks like a decent and the other one doesn't. And uh, granddad's been gone for 15 years. Fred's a sweet man. We sat at TGI Fridays. We're eating, we're done, and I looked at him, and here's exactly what I said. Fred, I do not want to insult you. I do not want you to think that I'm trying to take advantage of your kindness, sir. But I know what our church can afford. And I know that if we rent this out and then a poly fellowship come in, which I do believe God's called for us to, to help and to commission, I said, we can really only afford 165000 That's my final offer. And even though our deacons and trustees said, we can go up. I just, I even felt that 150 was still on my heart. And here's what he said. And he took the napkin and he wiped his eyes. And he said, do you know when you meet people sometimes? You, you click, something clicks with them in you. He said, there's something different about you and your wife. My granddaughter. And he said, I met the deacons and trustees. You have a very special group of people at your church. And I had this building sold last year for $300,000, and I did not have peace with these people. And I didn't sell it. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the building for $160,000. And granddaughter, and he looks at Becky, he says, and granddaughter... 40,000 of it is your inheritance. <laughs> you see, our God's bigger than what we think. He's mightier than what we believe. He's stronger and He's still working. And He's still alive and He wants to answer prayers and He wants to make a difference in this community. If a man who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who said, I came to America, I was Muslim, and then raised my kids in the Catholic Church, maybe we were sent to him to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be a light and to make a difference for this man. You see, everybody has money. God wants to use you. And so we're blessed. Yes, it is signed and it's off to the bank. And it'll be great when we're in that building and we can use it for ministry. And that could be just an extension of our ministry here at New Hope. Just because our church is small doesn't mean we have to be hindered by the size of a building. God is still parting the Red Seas of our life. God is doing a great work if we'll just believe. Yes, there's times in my life where I feel like I have lost my faith. But this message is to remind me, don't look to the past. Renew your faith and to step forward 
for the blessings that I have for you. Just because things don't work out in our way, God has a better way. And all God's people said, Amen. Listen, church, now it's up to us to ask God to continue to bring His Spirit and His power upon this church. If you've been coming to church and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today you need to come and know Him. I don't preach just because I like to spit up here and blow hot air. I preach because it's a calling that I have from God to help all of you and to guide you to great things. Wouldn't it be great? I was sitting down here wiping my eyes when I think about a box. But we've lost our focus. We have lost our faith. Because we don't believe that when we take out our squeaky little $5 bill and put it in the tithing and in the little basket that we have, that God can give it back to us threefold so we hold on to the other 25 we got in our pocket. Uh-oh, he went there again. It's called obedience. Do you think for one minute, listen to me, church, do you think for one minute that I really want to take on another burden? I stress out over the leaves in this front lawn. I, I can't even imagine. I was laying in bed last night. My wife's sleeping and I'm praying. I'm going, God, this is really a huge overtaking, undertaking, outertaking. I'm exhausted. And he said, don't worry about it, Todd. I have it handled. It's a great burden for me. But I want that burden to be placed on you. And if you'll do, because you're here. Remember, you're at the Red Sea right now, here today, in His presence, understanding that the Shekinah glory of God was there, and now He wants you to receive that same blessing. Not just a portion from me, but a double portion. And won't it be great when someday that our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren will reap the benefits? I don't know what God has planned for North Hill. Only He does. But we have to be instrumental to do the work here, now. I know what my vision is, but God has a greater vision. And I may not see it, but He wants all of us to be instrumental in doing that in our lives. Are you surrendered? And are you ready and receptive to the Spirit of Almighty God? I come to you, church, today to ask you, do you want a Spirit-led church? I want to be a Spirit-led pastor and prophet of God. I don't want to be just another man who comes and... I got a message today. Now we're going to do a sermon on the 52 things of whatever, and it takes me six months to get through it. I'm not doing it. Every week. I don't even know what I'm preaching next week because... God's got to reveal it to me. But I will tell you that I know that I, all I want in my life is the Spirit, the power, and the presence of God. Today, church, I'm going to ask you to do something. This altar is going to be empty, but you're going to fill it up. I don't know if, it's, if you're uncomfortable, that's fine. But let's all stand together. You can click the air off. But I'm going to ask you to do something. God get, has given us opportunity. God has given us great opportunity to have a West Campus. Doesn't sound fancy. I, I just have to say that. <laughs> I don't know. 
I just thought, that's going to be my new little funny saying. But I have to tell you this, that I want you to come today and get on your face before God and kneel and pray. Kneel to God. Don't kneel to me. Don't kneel to anybody else. Kneel to God. Be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And ask God to split this church wide open. That we'll see revival take place. That we'll see hearts changed, souls saved, and people delivered. And that He'll... You know what? I'm praying for a miracle that God will provide the money for this building. Who knows if we're even going to be approved for it. But God already knows. And I'm leaving it in His hands. So I want you to come as one body. And if it's full, you can kneel right here. You can kneel up that way. Teenagers, I want you to pray. I want you to see the hand of God. Listen, we as deacons and trustees prayed, and we saw God do something greater than what we even thought because we are ready to yield at 185. But God gave it to us at 160 because that's the way God is. He wants to bless us. And he concluded with this thought. My company profited a lot of money this year. And it's not all about the money. It's all about me being a blessing to you. And he said this. I'm going to do you a favor. And I looked at my wife and I said, Favor? I'll take whatever favors you have. See, you're a part of a movie that some people have passed on. Grandma Lucille passed on. She's no longer here. And this was, she said, this church is going to grow and it's going to expand. That means something to me. But she can open up the windows of heaven and see it. And we've had loved ones and others that have gone on. Will you get on your knee today and say, God, bless this congregation, bless this church. And we together are going to go through this Red Sea experience together. Because God, you are real. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for the last 45 minutes. Father, we just pray that in the the solitude and the quietness of this room, that, Lord, you will just give us a touch of your anointing and your power. And, Lord, let us realize that, you know what, this is only eight years young. Some churches are celebrating 200 years. Father, we don't realize what you have for us. We're just a small plant. And, Lord, we want you to help us to grow and Lord, we want to believe in you and to have faith that you're going to do a great and mighty work. Lord, today, Lord, would you show your people, show this church that great things are taking place. And Lord, we're not going to fear. We're going to stand still and know that you are going to bring us salvation. Thank you, Lord, for answering prayer, for providing a place. Lord, we pray that even through the bank that, Lord, Everything will go smooth and we'll see your hand upon it. Lord, we just pray that your work will be done and Lord, you'll be glorified through it because we know you are God with us. You're Yahweh. You're Adonai. You're Jehovah Nissi. You are the God that will provide. Father, we thank you and we praise you in your name we pray. Amen. The altar is open for you if you'll come.